to be cautious. Okay, um, we had another drowning in the lake. That's three this season. Three people have died in drownings in the lake. Well, we're, our lake is full of weeds. Okay, it's actually can be very dangerous to swim. Um, I remember once uh, I had two different incidents jumping off the rocks at Castle Rock. Uh, one time I jumped off, went straight to the ground, my feet hit the mud and got stuck in the mud momentarily. And I tell you, I was I was really afraid about wow, and, and it, you know it was that suction cup, you know, we got stuck in mud, and it's like a suction cup, and I couldn't move, and and I you know I tried not to panic, and I got free, and I came up. Another time I jumped, and when I went down, the weeds started wrapping around me, and th that caused me fear. So. The lake department is, is, is encouraging, listen, if you're going to be out in the water at all, even just swimming, wear a life jacket because you don't want to get caught in the weeds and drown. Okay, that would be a caution to think, you know what, in our lake, it's pretty disgusting. I might actually wear some type of a, a smaller life vest to give me extra buoyancy. I don't need it. I carry my own buoyancy all the time. I don't think you could drown me if you want. I could probably be out there, you could hang on to me as a flotation device. But, but, but what, what I'm talking about is that's a caution. It's not a fear, okay? Fear is from the devil, if, you, if you're living in fear. So we want to promote God. We want to promote faith. We want to promote peace. We want to promote his protection over us more than we are fighting against things. I just believe that. Now, that now, you might have a special call that is the one who's going to sound the alarm, and we need those also. But in general, we're, 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 we're wafting into anti rather than pro. Let's be pro-Jesus, pro-faith, pro-life, pro-everything um, that God is calling us into. I'm going to tell you, um, I'm watching this, this, this COVID-19, and I'm considering beginning to wear a mask at church. Not because I'm afraid, but because I'm realizing more and more people are, are being concerned about it. And I, this is even hard, I don't, I don't want to wear a mask. But I may begin to wear a mask so that other people feel more comfortable. I don't want to be that uh, reason for anyone to have discomfort around me or at all. And so, and I'm struggling, I'm, I'm kind of struggling with this, this opinion. Because there's a part of me going, I'm standing up here in faith. I'm not afraid of this. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about it. But I can give off that idea to other people who maybe should wear a mask, who feel uncomfortable around me. I don't want to do that. So I'm going to tell you, pray for me. Um, one of the things that's kind of funny, I mean, we're, we're streaming this right now. When I t talk to people, they ask about the church. The, one of the questions they ask you to ask, are you guys wearing masks? Almost every time, the beginning question is, are you guys wearing masks? And, and uh, when I say, well, we have a sign that said the county in, you know, is saying that we should wear masks. But I personally believe everyone should make their own decision and wear it if they feel like they need to. And so they go, and the next one is, I, I think I need to check out your church because they're tired of wearing a mask too. So we're going to keep that for now. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Feel confident whatever way you go. Not in fear. And also not an anti. That came off a little bit of, of, of where I want to go. But, um, so we're going to march forward. And, and in this process, if we miss the opportunity for God to do something that he wants to do, we will have, have missed out on what God wants to do. And here's what, you know, there's a thing in politics, you know, don't waste a crisis. They actually say that. So both sides, everyone says that. And you know who else says that? Businessmen. People in business also say that, don't miss a crisis. When something is happening big in the world, politicians, business people, they're looking at it and saying, how can we capitalize on this event? Well, I, I want to tell you, we need to be thinking the same way. How can we 
be Jesus in this event in the sense that there are people that are afraid. Now's a wonderful time to help them find the peace of Jesus. I'm not talking about selling Jesus. I'm talking about finding people who need hope, who need, who need Jesus, who need peace in their life like I do, like you do, like at any time in the last five months, all of us have gone through these ups and downs, been afraid, been, what, what is the future going to look like? Will my kids be able to attend college in person ever? I'm looking down the road at, at things like that, and the fear begins to come in. I need the peace of Jesus. I need the hope of Jesus, and I'm a Christian. We need to be thinking about our neighbors and our friends and the people that we don't know and saying, how can I be Jesus to them? How can I be a light to them? How can I give them hope? And we need to be really proactive in this moment. Proactive. Let, let's, let's do this. And one of the ways we can be proactive is in what we're talking about and studying. And uh, the last week and this week, remember, we're in the series. We're still in a series of uh, habits of highly effective Christians. We don't want to be ineffective in any part of our life. We want God to move through us. I want God to move through me and so that I can be effective in my family. I can be effective in the church. I can be effective in the community. I don't want to just be this blah. You know, yeah, well, they're a Christian, but they've really never done anything for Jesus. They've never affected anything. I don't want to be ineffective. So we're learning about abiding in Christ. We're learning the importance of being in the Word, but we also had that lesson of, of ways that you can actually spend time in the Word and how to do it. And last week and this week, we were talking about prayer. And in a, few, in a little bit, I'm going to have Bobby come up, and she's going to share um, a, a short time on how to spend an hour in prayer. Does that freak you out? I'm going to freak some of you out. Online, does that freak you out? Spending an hour in prayer. We're so, we're so distractible now. Some of us. I'm going to confess. I, I, I can be this way. And I'm fighting against this. I'll be watching a movie. And, and sometimes on, on Prime, they throw, they throw a little commercial in. And if you have regular cable, obviously there's commercials. I'm, I have such a hard time just kind of go, focusing on anything. The, the commercial will come on, and I'll pull out my phone for a second to just scroll, to look something up, because I have a hard time staying focused. The world is telling us to be distracted and, and to not be able to focus on anything. So the idea of praying for an hour like, is like, no way, not without scrolling, not without doing something. But bodies are coming in a minute and actually give us a, a way that we can spend an hour. And why is that important? Because if we can begin to focus on God for more and more, he's going to begin to come into our life more and more. Now, I said, start off, you know, start off with a couple of minutes of prayer, and I still mean that. But don't stop with a couple of minutes of prayer. You, you know, as, as I was reading this week, I was reading in different places some of the, the, the prayers prayed in the Bible and the, and the answers to prayer. Listen, prayer is powerful and effective. The Word of God says that. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. When you pray, something happens that wouldn't happen if you don't pray. Now that's crazy. Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. To, he, the Lord told him, you're going to die. And he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said, because you prayed, I'm going to extend your life. Now, wouldn't you want that kind of power to be able to pray and things like that happen? It, 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 it does. It does. If prayer wasn't effective, if prayer wasn't important, why would Paul have every letter he wrote says, I pray for you, pray for me. Is he just saying this good thing? Paul, who, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, knew the importance and power of talking to God. And remember, prayer is just communication. It's just talking to the Almighty. It's nothing magical about it. I love to hear people who've never prayed before pray and just talk to God like a friend. I love to hear that. Because I think some of us who've been saved a long time, we, we think we've got to have these amazing flowery prayers in order to, to get God's heart in his ear.
Hey, Rick, you want to pick up that, the, point the laptop just a little bit higher? That way when I get close, they're, they're looking at my face. Just a little bit, brother. Awesome. Oh, there we go. All right. Everyone at home, you just had an earthquake. <laughs> Daniel chapter 9. Let's read the word. We're just going to start off where, where Daniel's at. This is in the time of, uh, of captivity. The people are in captivity. So in the first year of Darius, the son of Asuras, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord, through Jeremiah the prophet, that he had accomplished 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. That I set my face toward the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God, and I made confession, and I said, listen to his prayer. You want a prayer? O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of face as it is to this day. To the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and Israel, those near and those far off in all the countries to which you've driven them because of the unfaithfulness which they've committed against you. O Lord, to us belong shame of face, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, because we've sinned against you. We keep going, but there's this awesome prayer. He's acknowledging God's goodness and his mightiness, but he's also saying, Lord, we have blown it. And, and we really we really should have the shame of, of blowing it. We, this, this thing should, we should feel this, this conviction. We have not done well. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, and though we have rebelled against him. So he's kind of going, you know, but even though we've rebelled against you, Lord, to you is mercy and forgiveness. We've not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. So a curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. He's recognizing that sometimes bad things come to us because we've sinned. We've sinned individually, and we've sinned as a people. And I tell you, we get to reap the consequences of our sin until we repent. And then sometimes, because we've sinned, even when we repent, we still reap consequences of sin. And, and, and we always want to hear this grace and mercy and everything's forgiven. But, but you know firsthand people who maybe are Christians who still have hepatitis C from their drug days. You may know people who have Christians who have AIDS and God didn't take the AIDS away, though he forgave them of their sin. Some people, maybe even some in, uh, under the tent today, have problems in your thinking because you did too many drugs. And sometimes God heals those things, and sometimes you just have to deal with them, don't you? And so, so, so Daniel's praying, but God, forgive us. These consequences can have come. They're in captivity because of this. Israel has transgressed your law and departed so as not to obey your voice. Verse 12, he has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our judges who judged us by bringing upon us a great disaster. For under the whole heaven, such as had never been done, as what had been done to Jerusalem. And he goes on, and he goes on, and he just has this awesome prayer. Verse 16. Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem as your people are a reproach to all those around them. So God, hear the prayer of your servant and a supplication for the Lord's sake cause your face to sign on your sanctuary oh my God incline your ear and hear open your eyes and see our desolations and the city of which is called by your name 
For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. Lord, listen and act. And act. Do not delay for your own sake. My God, for your city and your people are called by your name. The Lord begins after that to show him a whole prophecy. We need to be people who would turn to the Lord and pray. Pray fervently. Seek his face. You know, the, the, the scripture that everyone uses when it comes time for a prayer meeting, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal their land. I'll forgive their sin. Here it is again. Oops. I got a couple of scriptures in here I wanted to read. Second Kings chapter nineteen. Second Kings chapter nineteen. the whole thing, so I'm looking for just a couple of parts in here. I was going to read more. Ah. Okay. King Hezekiah got word that Assyria was going to come and attack. And so he prays in 2 Kings chapter 19. Um, that's where I'm going to get you where I want to go. Because um, there's a lot of prayer, there's a lot of stuff in here. Okay, let's start at it, uh, verse 16. Hezekiah received a letter and he prays before the Lord. Actually, verse 15. O Lord God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You made heaven and an earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. And hear the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to repro reproach the living God. So let me set this up. So, so the series is going to come and attack, and Hezekiah gets word, and immediately he prays. But did you, did you hear the first part of the prayer? It's full of worship. It's full of praise. The prayer in Daniel, Daniel's prayer is full of worship. It's full of praise. God, you alone, you are mighty, you are awesome. You're seated between the cherubim. God. That's our prayer. We need to, when we pray, we need to recognize God is good. God is above all things. We need to give him praise. That also puts the right perspective. He is exalted. We're humbled. We need to be humbled when we come before God. We, don't get, we can come boldly into the throne of grace, but we understand when we come in there, we're not, we're not equals. We can come boldly because he's invited us to have fellowship with him. He's invited us to come and say, you can talk to me. You don't need to go through anybody else. But the first thing that we do is say, oh, God, mighty God, you're awesome. And the truth is we're not. And we deserve far more punishment than we're receiving. I deserve more punishment than I'm receiving for the things I've done, the things I've thought. His grace and mercy abounds, and I think that's a wonderful start of prayer. And he goes on and he prays. Protect us, Lord, and he, and he reminds, he, and it's okay to talk to God. God, you've promised. You've said in your word. You can pray these things to him. And then I just lost it. I apologize. Therefore, verse 32. So this is what the Lord told him concerning the kingdom of Syria. Now, let's just stop that for a sec. The Lord told him something. When we pray, 
If we'll quiet our hearts and spend time and wait, he'll talk to you. And he'll tell you great and awesome things. And he says, he will not come into the city, nor shoot an arrow there, nor come before with shield, nor build a siege mounted against it. By the way that he came, by the same shall he return, and he shall not come into the city, says the Lord, for I will defend this city to save it for my own sake, for my servant David. He prayed, and God answered his prayer. Because you prayed, and he just promised him. We need to be a people who begin to pray and understand the power of prayer. Um, I, I know that if I said, who's got a, a miracle story of prayer, there'd be, be hands in here. We'll just do that. Who has a story of miraculous answer to prayer? Okay? Look around. It's important to see the hands. Because God does answer prayer, and he answers it crazily and powerfully. We, we, have, we have so many testimonies of that in our, in our own life. When we, when we lived on, in, on the mission field, there were numerous times that God came in miraculous answer. There was one night, our son Zachary had only been in country for a couple of months, and we, we didn't know anything yet. We didn't even know where the doctors were. Uh, you know, there's no 911 down there. We didn't know where the doctors were. We didn't know if there was a 24-hour clinic. We didn't own a car. We were on foot. In the middle of the night, Zachary, our son, got a fever that was hitting 105 degrees. And, and he was only two, so we, we, uh, we did know that 105 for a little guy is actually not as, as bad. They can have a higher temperature at time. And so, but 105 is, is deadly for anyone. And so we didn't know what to do. We couldn't go anywhere, so we just began to pray. And we began to pray and pray and pray. We prayed for a couple of hours, and all of a sudden his fever just came down. And we gave praise to the Lord because we were, we were afraid. We didn't know what to do. We, we were out of our element. We didn't know what to do, so we prayed, and his fever came down. That, that was a Saturday night. The next day, I had to go to church, and I was part of the, the, the ministry team there. And I think I was probably doing some, I wasn't doing translating, I guess, yet. Um, and so, so I'm there. Shannon stayed home, and while we're at church, I told the pastor. And so they also prayed, and all of a sudden, at home, uh, Zachary's fever s spiked again to 105. Shannon's now all alone in a country where she doesn't speak the language yet. I just spoke a little bit with, with a child whose fever goes up to 105, and she just rebuked that fever. And she just took authority and said, in the name of Jesus, I command this fever to go, and bang, it dropped down. We have these, we have these testimonies. God is good. Now, does God always answer your prayers? If God has always answered every one of your prayers the way you want, raise your hand. <laughs> right? So that can cause us doubt. But no, God answers our prayers. We don't always like the answer, and we don't always see the answer. But when he answers it, it gives us faith. Keep on praying. Somebody, somebody has this acronym of PUSH. PUSH. You can remember this. And it stands for this. Pray until something happens. Pray. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Pray. Pray. We need to become a people of prayer because I'm pretty sure that this one guy in the Bible, who might be an important character, said that my house shall be ha called a house of worship. No, no, it wasn't it. He said my house should be called a house of preaching. No, that wasn't it either. What did he say? My house shall be called a house of prayer. One of the least things that happens in a church is prayer. I, I once heard it says, if you want to know, um, uh, uh, let's see, well, if you want to know how popular the pastor is, go to a Sunday night service. Right? Because, you know, that's people come because maybe they like the pastor. You know, they come on Sunday because you got to go on Sunday. But if you go on a Sunday night, it's maybe because you like the pastor. But if you want to know how popular the Lord is, go to a prayer meeting. It actually sounds like crickets, doesn't it? We had a Saturday night service here that was running about 15. And it was fluctuating some as low as 10. 15 counted the worship team, which was like five. Sometimes it'd go down to like 
like 10, which means only five, three, four, five people came. And I said, you know, let's, let's not do this service anymore. Let's, these, all these people, they love Jesus. They're coming on a Saturday. Let's turn this into a prayer meeting. Tell the people from Sunday that when they come on Saturday also to pray. Because the service was just not doing well. I said, let's pray. Let's just have a prayer service. You know, the easiest way to kill a church service is to turn it into a prayer meeting. We turn it into a prayer meeting, and everyone quit coming. Isn't that horrible? I'm stepping on my toes. I'm stepping on your toes. We need to be people who pray. Why is the world going to hell like it is? Probably because we stopped praying. We're watching YouTube videos. You know, I, I love that. Oh, my gosh, those cats. Look at what happened to the cats. Oh, look, somebody built a, a squirrel catapult. That's awesome. Somebody's seen the squirrel catapult video. I just, woo, that's awesome. But we won't go and pray? Guys, let's become a people of prayer. Pray for this valley. Pray for one another. Pray back the pestilence and the disease. Stop writing about it and pray. Come against it. Let's watch the power of God come. Let's become a people of prayer. Now I'm going to invite Bobby to come up, and she's going to teach in about 10 minutes. So you can go back and watch it online. She's going to come and teach on one way to pray for an hour. Now, there's a lot of ways to pray. Last week, we did the Lord's Prayer. And a number of you said it was really powerful. I pray that you will put some of these to practice in your life. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Um, read even Daniel's Prayer. You could pray along with that. Read the Psalms and Prayer. But Bible's going to come, and this is, this is based on, it's praying for an hour, and it's based on when Jesus said to his disciples, couldn't you just tarry? Couldn't you just wait, awake for an hour? And, and we're going to become, a, we want to become a people of prayer because if you want to be effective, I wish Mickey was here. Mickey's got so many prayer, answered prayer uh, testimony. I was going to have him share, but I, I forgot he's going to be out of town. And so, um, but Bobby, come and, and share, teach us, teach us. I've beat us up. Does everyone feel beaten up a little bit? That was my prayer. Good, good. <laughs> I want to love you and beat you up. Now, Bobby, come and help us to get out of it and say, okay, now how can I pray? All right, now, you've you got to hold this really close. If you want to put it on your chin, I keep pulling it down. And every time I do, they get mad. Okay. Do you want it on a stand? Okay. Okay. All right, I'll, I'll let you get set up. By the way, this is Bob Martinez. She is a good friend. She is a spiritual elder in the Lord. If you ever need anything like prayer, uh, you, can, you can come to her. Um, we recognize her as a spiritual elder in this church. Um, we, we meet together sometimes. She's always praying for us. She also has a ministry here in Big Bear. She has the bookstore, but that's, that's only to fund the ministry. She ministers to a lot of uh, uh, widows, um, single moms, single women. And, so, and, and, uh, and she is not done yet. And she has been doing ministry a long time. I'm not going to tell her, tell you how old she is, but she has served Jesus for more years than you can imagine. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And, um, you know, I, we, we have our reading glasses, and I wear them all the time. And I took mine out of the purse right now to use, and look, they fell apart. I wonder why. <laughs> So, I will move along with this, and like Pastor said, it is an hour, and normally during the year, I will do a couple of workshops on a Saturday, and <laughs> during that time, we go through what is called the miracle hour of prayer. I always encourage people, when you get into this time, and um, don't think, don't focus on the hour. People who have gone through this will do it maybe once a week, once a month, but it's a special time in this miracle hour. And you always prepare yourself by having your Bible, a pen, and paper. So we begin the miracle hour by just bringing to remembrance who God is. And for if I were to pass the mic around, 
somebody would say, well, God is my healer. Praise Jesus because he's my Messiah. Praise the Lord because he's my provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the great I am that I am that he spoke to Moses. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And he is my all in all. These things will come up. And you'll just think on those, those names of the Lord that are so relevant to you in your life. And then we step into a reflection because we've been praising the Lord for who he is. But we step into the reflection and we just take a little time because we praise him in word, but we also praise him in song. So sometimes you just sit there after you've gone through that process and a song will come up in your heart. Something that's relevant to you today or reminds you of yesterday. Sometimes it's just, Alleluia, Alleluia. You'll start singing that and move into that time. And then we remind ourselves that we do live on a fallen planet. And sometimes in our walk, we have opened the door where the enemy has come in and taken a little territory in our heart, in our mind, in the things that we do and the habits that we have. And those are the times when we remember that God did not leave us powerless. Jesus came to show us that we have authority. And in Ephesians 6, we read about the weapons of warfare. And those are important even if you don't have a long time of prayer. In that morning time when you come before the Lord, oh, Father, thank you for the weapons of warfare. I put on the helmet of salvation. I put on the breastplate of righteousness because of what Jesus did to me. He protects my heart. I gird myself with the truth in your word, Lord God. I prepare myself as I go out into the world today. And I ask that you shod my feet with the gospel of peace that I can respond to people who are lost. I hold up that shield of faith, and that shield of faith becomes stronger in every challenge that we've walked through in life, that the Lord has carried us through, and we've learned something, and it just becomes stronger. And we hold the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we envision that darkness, God says, hold up the shield, because the fiery darts of the enemy are, will come against you. And that shield protects you. And you hold that sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And you remind that spirit of darkness that scripture says that every single knee will bow to the name of Jesus. Above the earth and beneath the earth, every single knee will bow. You remind him, God has not given me a spirit of fear. He has given me a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. So in that, we remind the enemy that nothing will interfere with God accomplishing his purpose in our lives. We all have a purpose. And then we come into a place of surrender. The more we open up and yield, the more of our life will come into right order. So we surrender to the Lord those things that have been heavy on our hearts. We surrender to the Lord our failures, the times that we have done things that are right and the times that we've done things that are wrong. We surrender those that are heavy on our hearts. Oftentimes it's family members. Oftentimes it's children. Oftentimes it's work. We surrender those things. And we ask the Lord that as he flows through us, that we would open our eyes to those things that have captivated us. 
And then we ask the Holy Spirit to be released in our hearts more. We've received the Holy Spirit in our hearts, and sometimes we just need, we feel that, Lord, we just need you more. Holy Spirit, just come, because he empowers us to bring Jesus into the world as the Spirit prompts. And we know that as the Holy Spirit flows through us to minister to others, we know that he's flowing through us, within us, to heal us also. Ask the Holy Spirit to draw out those uncried tears, those emotional hurts, those times in our past when we went through things, even the things that we recall that we experienced when we were little, those things in our past that, that were devastating, and ask him to remind us that Jesus was always there. We weren't alone. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. And we thank the Holy Spirit for his work in our lives. And then we're ready to come into repentance. We ask the Lord, help me. Help me to self-examine myself, to reveal those things that have kept me bound, those things that we all have things that we know hinder us. Ask, Lord, remind me of those things. And I'm sorry for all the ways I've offended you, both in thought, word, and deed, and the things that have come out of our mouths sometimes that are shocking to others and shocking to us. The times I've gone astray, sins against purity, things that we see, movies that are ungodly, things that are in movies. Sometimes it's a good movie, and then all of a sudden they throw that thing at your face and you have to turn it off or scroll through really quickly. So we ask the Lord. Oftentimes, we have to be really honest. Have we hurt other people? Have we discarded other people, just not paid attention to them? They're different than we are. Um, I can ignore them. I can be critical toward them. I can envy them. I can brush them off. And then you just come, Lord, please, show me. Show me all those things that are deep in my heart. So you know this takes time. It takes time. And the Lord will show you. He will remind you. And then we step into that part of the Lord's Prayer that oftentimes we pray and we don't pay too much attention to other than, Father, forgive us for our sins. And we, we miss the part of forgive us as we forgive others. And how, on what level do we forgive others? So in the forgiveness time, we just make a, a decision oftentimes to be reconciled with other people. And sometimes people have done things, made decisions in our lives for us maybe long ago. Mentally review all the associations we've had in our life. Things that where people failed us, where people hurt us, where people abused us, and mentally review all those associations. And it goes from our parents to our siblings to work, people we work with, friends even, teachers, the courts, when we've had to go to court, the, the things that have been unfair even forgiving ourselves. And sometimes that's a hard thing to forgive ourselves 
because we can beat ourselves up very easily and the enemy knows it because if you ever recognize something coming into your mind, something you did in the past, something you used to do, and that spirit of condemnation, that's what he wants to do. And Jesus tells us, don't go fishing. Don't go fishing in that lake where I've already, already forgiven everything. Don't go fishing. Don't let the enemy take you there. So we have to stop picking on ourselves because sometimes we're our worst enemies and we have to make peace with ourselves. And those areas, and we all have them, where people have done something that is so awful that we just feel we, we, you know, we can't forgive. No, we cannot in the flesh forgive. We can make a decision, Lord, I purpose to forgive that person. Doesn't mean I'm not going to think about it anymore. But I purpose not to, not to be in that place. And Holy Spirit, just help me. And do you know when we take that, that little step that the Holy Spirit does? And suddenly you realize months later or a year later or years later that that thing that happened so long ago, it doesn't affect you anymore. It doesn't touch you anymore. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. And then we come into a precious time where we're still and we get our Bible. And the Lord says, start looking through your Bible. Look at the things that you've highlighted, maybe. Ask the Lord to show me something in the Bible in these few minutes. A word, a verse, maybe. Something that captures you and ask the Holy Spirit, what, what do you want me to do with this? What, what do you want to show me through this word? And then we walk into what I think is one of the hardest parts of this, is being still, being still before the Lord. Closing your eyes, and whether it's that you see yourself on your knees, or you feel you need to be on your knees, or you're sitting there, or you see yourself, you can even imagine maybe a presence of the Lord, and you're in that place where you're just sitting quietly before him, and you want to hear him speak to your heart with a thought, with a word, maybe even a scripture again, and you will find in a minute, a minute and a half, your mind's going to go to, gee, did I put, did I gas up last night? Or, oh, gee, I forgot, to, I was going to call somebody last night, and you start going through what you were going to tell that person last night. That's normal. <laughs> I can tell you it's very normal. But again, then you say, oh, stop it and go back. Lord, I'm going before you again in silence, in quiet, waiting for you, and just be still. And you will go back and forth several times. Even in five minutes, you will go back and forth several times. But we recognize it, so we bring ourselves back. And then, guess what? then we're ready to start praying for all of those that have been on our hearts. If we have a list that we pray for all individuals, and we ask the Lord to bring other people, show me who I'm to pray for today. Sometimes the Lord will give you, remind you of a name or a face of a person, and you have no idea what they need. You have no idea what they're going through. But that's a perfect time. You just take that person and you say, Lord, you know what this person needs. I ask that you let them feel your touch on their lives. Speak to their hearts today. Release them. Give them peace. And you, you'll intercede for a lot of different people. However... In that intercession time, 
always try to remember to pray for the pastor of our church. You pray for a hedge of protection around the person that God has placed as his shepherd over you. You pray for his family, his children, his wife. You pray for any challenges that they may be facing. You pray for our president. As our president is an example of how can God can use the most unlikely person to do things that are righteous. We pray for our nation. So, you know, it goes by quickly that time. And then, hallelujah, then you come to a place where you can actually start praying for what you need. Your own personal needs, your own personal challenges, and then you end all of this just thanking the Lord. Thanking the Lord that he has you here at this difficult time in our nation and on this fallen planet. But he has you here because you're special, because he has a purpose. He has something that you will accomplish in our limited time on this planet. And then we get to go home. So hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. It's 12, it's 12 subjects, right? It's 12. 12 subjects? Yeah. So we're, we're going to put a, a PDF together, put it on our website. Um, it's actually 12 different things. We're going to talk a little bit about each one. We're going to put it on the website under media. Um, and we're going to put a, a, uh, an option down that was not even there. We'll just create it. Maybe we'll call it resources or sermon notes. And we'll put a PDF there this week, probably by Tuesday, that just has that. Each of those is five minutes. Now, what's cool is if you did those for each two minutes, you'd pray for almost a, a half an hour. But it'll, it'll, get, it'll gain in time. Yeah. Thanks, Bobby. Yeah, such such time. Anyway, teach us to pray. And you know, Jesus' disciples actually said that. He said, teach us to pray. Both the how and to do it. So you got to listen to that word. Teach us to pray. We, we're learning a little bit of how, but now we need to say, Lord, we need to Teach us that we need to, that we should. Because something happens when you pray that doesn't happen when you don't. Because the prayer, because the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. They're powerful, they're effective. And if you go on that righteous, if you're in Christ, you are the righteousness of Christ. So we pray. We pray for our neighbors. And we just begin to, to let's become a people of prayer to affect our communities, our families, the world around us. I've been seeing a lot of things online. I'm going to just ask, who thinks that, that we might be really living in the last days? You know, I, there's a lot of this going around. Not, not just, yeah, we're in the last days because we've been in the last days for 2,000 years, because we have. But there's this growing thinking and understanding that we might literally be living in, in just a few years Maybe from the end, from the rapture, and from, from uh, I love the flags driving down the street. And, and if, if we are in, oh, I'm sorry about the water coming off. If you're sitting under the edge, you might got, get wet. All right. But um, if we really are living in, the, in these last days, and, and I, I probably have a sermon about why we think that, but there are some things getting set up in the place that are leading up to... Um, potentially a one-world government. We are now global. We're working together globally like we've never worked before. Um, the, the idea of somebody coming in to uh, become a one-world ruler is not that crazy anymore. Um, even just the United States, we don't, we don't uh, rule uh, Central and South America, but boy, there's a ton of countries in these areas that are, we, are, we affect so much. So that's, that's taking place. The idea of, of the technology that, that could happen and need be needed for us to get a mark that would be required to buy and sell. <laughs> Jesse just got a bath. It, it's here. So we, we, might, we may be living in the last days. If we're living in the last days, your friends, your neighbors, your family need Jesus. 
let's let's become a people of prayer. The whole sermon of of the uh, um, the, the farmer who, who sowed the seed along the path, along the the rocky ground, along the good soil, is all about the soil. It's all about the heart. We need to pray that people will be receiving the word, that their heart will be open and changed. And uh, so, so let's become a people of prayer and become more effective in our Christian lives. Let's pray. Now, Lord, um, prayer is something that we, don't, we actually don't talk enough about. But we need to become a people of prayer, a people who would uh, recognize our need for you and we would uh, come to you. We would repent of our, our, our sin, our connections with the enemy, God, and we would pour out our heart to you, recognize that you are God, and then that we would be able to pray effectively for the lost, for, for your spirit to come alive in us and in our family members. God, help us to become people of prayer so we can hear from you. When, when I went through the scriptures and saw all the, the people that prayed, there were so many, and then I realized how many people wrote down, how many times in the word it says, and the Lord said, and how did the Lord say it? He said it to a person who then wrote it down. God, help us to be a people of prayer so that we can also hear from you because we've spent time with you and now we can, we can discern your voice from others. Challenge us, lead us to prayer. No condemnation, but conviction to draw us to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Remember, two weeks from now, it's going to be a spectacular service with Jason Friend. He's a powerful communicator. Um, if you do know any, any uh, Hispanics, Latinos, tell them that Jason Friend speaks daily on Radio Nueva Vida, and they'll know what you're talking about, and they will come. And uh, it's also going to be fun to watch Jason translate his own sermon. Uh, he's going to do that Saturday night. Sunday is going to be only, Sunday is going to be in two languages as well. It's going to be in English and ASL. All right. All right. God bless you guys. And uh, if anyone can help and pack, stack up chairs and take them back in, very helpful. And, uh, amen. Jesse, is the coffee, is the cafe open? No. Okay, if anyone wants a coffee and hang out and, and love each other and chat, go to the cafe and get a drink and sit out on the patio. Love one another and get some false anointing caffeine. <laughs> <laughs>